Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsipornchai. Uh, well, guys, we've got a really good episode for you and um, not too much chit chat. We'll just jump right in. Uh, we have a special guest with us uh, today, uh, dear friend, um, co-laborer, uh, Brandon Scalf. And uh, Brandon, this is your first time on. A lot of our listeners will probably know who you are. Um, you've you've been around. You've got a lot of stuff out there on online and such as well. But why don't you tell us just a little bit about who you are, where you're pastoring, uh, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, I'm excited to talk about today's topic. But um, my name is Brandon Scout. Uh, as you said, I pastor a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, under the name Heritage Tulsa or Heritage Church Tulsa. I'm married to Lacey program at the master seminary uh, with Nathaniel and um, yeah I mean that's pretty much covers it I suppose um, from Indiana and I'm um, delighted to to be here today awesome well it's good to have you on brother yeah uh, Brandon and I, I I think I actually met Brandon in the doctoral program at masters if I'm not mistaken but um it's been it's been a good time uh, getting to know each other and uh, definitely just a, an, another brother in the Lord who's pastoring a church who has a heart for the right things. And so uh, today's topic, which I think is going to really bless you guys listening, is how to prepare your heart to hear the preaching of the word on the Lord's day. You know, there there's a lot of um, it, there's plenty of books out there on preaching on homiletical type stuff for preachers, how to put together a sermon, purpose of a sermon, that sort of thing. Um, but I don't know that I've heard a whole lot of teaching on, as someone who is sitting under the preaching and teaching of the word, how do you prepare your heart to hear the word? What things should you be doing? Or is there anything you should be doing the night before, the day before? Um, I, I know oftentimes on social media, we'll get small glimpses. People will say things like, you know, prepare your heart today for the word tomorrow. Um, but just to spend maybe the next 40 minutes or so really diving in that, uh, hopefully helping you understand how you can really prepare yourself uh, to hear God's word preached on Sunday morning. Um, and, and I think as we jump into this, Maybe, Eki, you can kind of frame this for us real quick, because this assumes certain things about the style and type of preaching, right? Um, yeah, it's um, if you're going to an expository preaching church, which I think is the best way to preach through the Bible, then you're going to be receiving God's word the way it was intended to his original audience. And as you are receiving God's word, you want to be sure that um, you are prepared to receive it, that you're not just coming in distracted by the things of the world or um, suffering from a lack of sleep or whatever. So there's a number uh, of things that we can certainly be doing to be prepared to receive God's word as, as it is faithfully taught. If you're going to a church that's preaching motivational messages or just is as bad false doctrine, then really there's nothing to prepare for because uh, you're not 
you know, the Holy Spirit does not uh, does not bless us to be illuminated to, um, to to being blessed by falsehood and man's ideas. It's about it's about the Word of God. Amen. So the first step to preparing your heart is make sure you're in a church that actually preaches from the Bible. Um, so Brandon, let's just kind of jump in. So let me kind of set the scene here. Um, you're sitting in your office, wherever that might be, um, and you get a phone call or someone walks in. Uh, one of your one of your church members, and they say to you, you know, hey, uh, Pastor Scalf, um, I, I I really want to know from you what kind of things can I be doing to make sure I get the most out of the Word of God on Sunday. I, I want to worship in a way that uh, God deserves to be worshipped. I I want my mind renewed. I want my heart and my affections raised. What what kind of things can I be doing, or should I be doing? Where do you start that conversation? question. Uh, I just want to let you and your listeners know I am recording this while I'm driving, and I just noticed uh, that it was already beginning to cut out. So if I um, go away for a second or uh, it drops, my apologies in advance. So there's that. Uh, But to answer your question, I think the first thing that I would say or at least tease out is this reality that when you listen to preaching or you're preparing your heart to preach, there are two ways of thinking about it, at least, um, as it pops into my mind. The first is there's a general heart disposition um, that you should probably carry with you at all times, but then there are practical things you can do or steps you can take uh, during the week and or the night before, stay a Sunday service that would increase your hearing of it. Now, of course, uh, we're all good Calvinists here, so we believe that the word is not going to penetrate the heart apart from the Holy Spirit. Uh, But the Puritans, they used to talk about something called preparatory grace, uh, and it has a lot more to do uh, with even salvation in general, but it's certainly not divorced from the idea of hearing preaching, uh, which is there are things that you can do um, to aid in your receiving of grace. Um, it's not a transaction thing, but God honors you when you come to him, uh, so to speak, in the right heart posture uh, and seeking to um, gain that wisdom, uh, that grace of receiving the preached word and so on. Um, that's just the truth of the scriptures And so we want to make, you know, that plain. As far as general heart dispositions go, you know, I would say that you would always want to come with a humble heart anytime that the word of God uh, is delivered to you, whether that be uh, at a Bible study during the week uh, or like a community group situation or a fellowship group, as we call it at Heritage. Um, or, or it's the preached word on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening. You have to, you have to be able to sit in the pews uh, or sit in a chair or stand for that matter. I mean, I don't think where you're at that really affects this. But just to be humble in heart and willing to receive the word as the word of God. And so if you, if you don't start there, I think everything else is pretty much meaningless. It is the word of God. Uh, and anytime God 
speaks to you, which is what he does through his written word and through the preaching of the word, it's best to understand that, you know what, the word has something to say to me and I must humble myself before it. I'm not living above it. I'm not critiquing it. I am cert- I am I'm, I'm working hard to receive it in humility, whether that be a conviction of sin or, or whether that be a comforting reality, right? Because we, we, ha- we have sin and we need to be confronted and we have, um, you know, we have afflictions that we need comforted in. And too many times we don't want to look at our sin. We don't want to be confronted by our sin. And, and what is also common, which people, I don't feel like talk about enough is we, in our sin, we don't really like to be comforted all that much uh, because we we know that this is going to work out the way we think it's going to work out. And oftentimes we're prophets of doom and we want to uh, say, no, this is just the way it's going to be. I'm not going to be comforted by this reality. And so be willing to be comforted as well. Um, so there is a general heart disposition. Secondarily, listen as a listener and not a um, critic. You know, a lot of people especially if they're in the reformed camp that they want to analyze, well, was this properly exegeted? Was this an expositional sermon uh, that, you know, hit all the things that I would hit or is this guy, you know, and uh, an oratory master, uh, am I bored here or whatever the case may be. Uh, and sure, you, you need to be a Berean. You need to study the scripture and find out, Hey, uh, is what's being said actually true, which is why expositional preaching is good, because you can look down at the Bible and see what the preacher is saying. You know, when I'm preaching, I'm trying to um, not only preach the truth, but I'm also, at least on a week-to-week basis at my local church, showing the congregation how I'm getting what I'm getting to model for them really Bible studies so that they can do this on their own. They can see that I'm not just up here saying anything I want to, that this is coming directly from God's word. And so to sit there willing to receive the message in humility while also not being a critic, but, but a listener who, who wants that implanted word, who desires to have that implanted word implanted in them. Right. So I think that that is probably the two huge things as it pertains to a heart disposition. Um, that that's the basis of everything that we're talking about here. And it's what enables us to even think about how we go about uh, utilizing these, uh, you know, maybe these applications of how to prepare your heart for worship in a more, um, you know, concrete sense. Right. So. Yeah. I I love these. um, Yeah. I know. I love these, these insights and I think you've got a lot of gold nuggets in there. Let me ask ask you this. Um, you mentioned that you, you don't want to be a person who's coming just to criticize the the sermon or just be a person who's looking at the performance of it all. Um, and yet, I, I think you would agree that uh, we want to be discerning. Um, help the listener oh, yes. understand the difference between one who is seeking to be critical versus one who's discerning. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that if uh, a critical spirit is one that's unwilling to hear what's being said because they think they could say it better or Mm. that's generally not the case because a lot of people don't desire to preach necessarily, but they could, uh, they're seeking then to say, um, well, he didn't say that right. 
or he didn't uh, lay this out the way that I would lay it out, or he didn't lay it out in a faithful way, or I don't like the way he said that. Uh, you know, you can think about like the tone police kind of a deal, <laughs> right? I don't yeah. like the way he said that, so I'm not going to receive it. Uh, he's being too judgmental. He's doing. He's being too uh, pointed in his application. He must be talking about me, and and so therefore I'm not going to listen. Or, um, you know, they just come uh, with a preconceived notion of how pastors ought to preach, even though they've never thought about preaching a day in their life. And so it, it's really sin uh, in, it, in, a, in, a, not in a sense. It is a sin uh, because you're using all of these caveats as to why you don't need to listen. Um, God, God can speak through anyone. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be put together uh, the way that you think it should um, or the way that you hoped it would. The question is whether or not it's true. As far as the contrast between discerning is you certainly want to know that it's true. And so it's not turning your brain off. It's not uh, ejecting your critical thinking. Um, you, it's okay to weigh and, and discern whether or not the truths being proclaimed from the pulpit are in fact true. Um, and that is absolutely needed because if I'm, if I'm telling something or if I'm preaching something that is incorrect or doctrinally unsound, then my congregation has no reason to listen to anything I'm saying, uh, because the word of God is, is, is what does the cutting. The word of God is what does the comforting. And so if it's, if it's not in line with the scriptures, then it needs to be disregarded but if it's just something about style or tone or um you know how it's put together homiletically those sorts of things um you know that that's a critical spirit and that is going to stop you from hearing what what you need to hear and this is dangerous for uh to be preachers and preachers you know one of the worst things about being in a doctoral program on preaching uh, is it makes you think about preaching all the time. And when you sit down, uh, you can become a critic because you're, you're, you're thinking, well, that wasn't done the way that, you know, Stephen Lawson said it should be done or the way that I think it should be done or whatever the case may be. And, and so even, even I all the time have to guard myself against being a critic as opposed to a listener, because I need to hear the word of God preached just as much as anyone else. And so I think that that is the difference. Uh, I hope that was clarifying, uh, but that's kind of the way that I see that. Yeah, I, I think that was good. And just to, to kind of take us to Scripture, I, I know you can't thumb through your Bible because you're in a car. Please don't do that. Um, but, um, but I, I, you know, I think of the Bereans, right? So Acts chapter 17, we often bring up the Bereans um, to talk about the need to test uh, what is or what isn't scriptural? So that that kind of right, the critique or discernment, what we're talking about. But I think there is the other element also in this same passage, um, the difference between having a, a heart disposition of longing for the good things of the word versus being overly critical, um, being being discerning versus being critical. Uh, so in in verse eleven, it says now Paul says now these were more noble 
minded, so we're speaking about the Bereans, than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness. That came first. And, and I think that's the, the the biblical key here is that they're coming to the sermon. They're coming to the preached word with a heart that's eager to receive. And, and then the second phrase there, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And, and so there's a right ordering of, of, of things versus, you know, I think you said it well, the person who's, you know, coming to, to just sort of correct the preacher or find where he could do things better. You'll never find a perfect preacher. And so you could always walk away with a list of things that, you know, could have been said more clearly or more articulately or whatever the case is. Um, and, and maybe a good litmus test with it for folks is, you know, whether or not you take notes, uh, if you do, it's helpful. But if you were to take notes and walk away, having written down all the thoughts that you had during the sermon, would you have far more notes on uh, the critique of the sermon, or would you have far more notes um, uh, of of what God was was saying, what you were picking up from from the sermon? And that might be just a good litmus test for folks. You know, do you walk away with a book of why this wasn't the greatest sermon ever preached, or do you walk away with notes uh, that are going to help you be more like Christ, that that help you understand the point of the text, whatever that may be uh, thoughts on that Eki? uh no that's uh, that's that's all really good um you want to examine the scriptures you want to receive what's being taught when you take notes you're taking notes on what these scriptures itself say if you if you're taking notes on your opinion of what things are being said then you're probably coming in with the wrong disposition and the wrong kind of spirit and in that light uh, brandon mentioned something else that i thought was really good um, that's related to this and that's Wanting to expose to the to the hearer um, how the preacher came about with the interpretation that he has, and then I think that's going to be a very critical element of all, all this too. Uh, Brandon, give us some examples in terms of when you're preaching through the Word. Well, what kinds of things are you looking to help expose to the hearer in terms of how you came about the interpretation that you that that you came about? Well, yeah, I think you use Scripture to inscri- interpret Scripture. Uh, that's one way. Uh, and secondarily, you know, I, I always say that biblical logic uh, is built uh, in prepositions, prepositional phrases, articles, these sorts of things. So paying attention to specific parts of the language and the syntax um, and, and, and really not going outside of that text too much to uh, explain your big idea. Right. Because it's right there. Um, now that doesn't mean you can't use cross references. Uh, I do that quite often. Uh, it, it doesn't mean any of that, but it, it's to say like, look, like you don't have to go outside of this passage or go outside of this book to understand what's actually being said here. Let me show you. And so there are many times throughout the sermon that I am, I am saying, uh, look with me here at the text, you know, and I'm, I'm drawing people's eyes back to, um, uh, the scripture that they should be looking at. You know, we, we give out tons of Bibles at our church. Um, we have pew Bibles even uh, under every chair. And so we, we don't want anyone uh, to uncritically sit back uh, and, and, and just receive whatever we throw at them. Uh, but we do want them to receive eagerly, as the passage you just read said, uh, but doing so with their brains turned on, you know, which is kind of new for a lot of the people in my congregation to 
to a large extent because Tulsa is the charismatic, you know, hub, mm. so to speak, in, in many ways. And so their spirituality has always been told to them, um, you know, unless they came from a Bible believing church before they got to heritage, is turn off your brain and receive with your heart, you know, or with your spirit or, or yeah. whatever. Uh, and so it's always pointing it, pointing it back, pointing them back rather to, to the text. Yeah. And I, and I like that you said, Hey, stay within this book to understand what it says. And at the same time, we can use cross references, but it doesn't mean that you needed this book in order to understand that book. Um, and, and to be able to really focus on a book, um, how much importance is there in terms of just the context of that book itself? Uh, can, you, can you repeat that question again? I'm sorry, you cut out for just a split second. Oh, yeah. Just talking about, uh, you know, the fact that you you mentioned that, hey, you can learn what 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 this book says just from the book itself. Cross references oh, yeah. are helpful, but the book itself speaks for itself. Um, j- just speak in terms of context and how important that is. Oh, yeah. So context uh, is king. You know, I, when I was in seminary, uh, my my first um, my first year of seminary was at Covenant Theological Seminary because I, I wrongly thought that I was a Presbyterian, uh, but they taught me <laughs> to be a Baptist. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we had a, we had a professor there. His name was Jay Sklar, uh, and he's an awesome Old Testament scholar. And he would make us repeat a mantra uh, at the beginning of class, and and the mantra would start by him saying, uh, "Start with the Bible." We would say, "Not with the commentary," and then he would say, "Context." And then we would say is king. Uh, and what he was trying to get us to understand, which has always stuck with me, is that that you can't understand what's being said apart from context. It's not me in the text and this reader response kind of uh, approach. It is what is actually the author trying to communicate? What's his intent? Uh, and what is the context of what's being said? You know, you can think of something, um, you know, like... Um, uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Uh, that's a prime example that people just take kicking and screaming out of context. But if we look at it in a context, it means something totally different. Uh, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me in Philippians, right? That's often put on all kinds of sports memorabilia. Uh, but in context, it means something different than what most people uh, will ascribe to it. Um, where two or more so, are gathered. Yeah, it's where two or more are gathered. You know, that's not about church discipline. That's just about church we don't need a local church because we can just be in our homes god's there you know um so context is extremely important uh and and but it starts out in the immediate context what's it mean in this passage then what does it mean in this book and then only after you get that uh, that, then 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 if it's an author right uh look at multiple books so for instance if you're looking at the gospel of john once you've exhausted what it could mean in that passage in that chapter and then that book yeah. look at how else john might say it yeah. uh in first second or third john or what he says in revelation uh and that's that's really really going to help you out um and then once you exhaust that well then now we can look at maybe the new testament's context and then expand out from the that to the old testament and then you have a full biblical context and then you can look at it, and here's something that I don't feel like a lot of people talk enough about either, is the is the historical context and the way in which the church has interpreted this. 
So there's the biblical context, but then there's the historical context. But we're not if, if we come up with a novel idea um, when we're preparing our sermons for our people to hear, uh, then then we're probably not pre. People have wrestled with this stuff for two thousand years. Now, does that mean uh, that they nailed it every single time? No, but but if you're going to disagree with church history, uh, you should probably have a really good reason for doing so, right? Uh, like a really good reason, one that you can yeah. prove irrefutably from the text, right? So, context governs everything that an expositor does, um, and and. In, in many ways, it should govern the way that hearers receive the text as well. If it wasn't relevant for them, it's not relevant for us. And if it is relevant for them, it, it's relevant for us, right? So that's kind of the way that I think about context. So let me just kind of tie this together for folks. Uh, if they're thinking, okay, well, that, that was really great for preachers, but how does that help me prepare my heart for the sermon? Well, I, I it helps because it it. I, I think it just shows that if you're really going to prepare your own heart for the sermon, you need to know the Bible yourself. Right. Um, you need to be in the Bible. You need to know how to read the Bible. You need to know how to study the Bible. And um, I, I, I think, you know, Brandon said it well, and I think this is probably true for every um, good expositor or, or preacher who's, uh, you know, seeking to become a better expositor is, that it's not just that we're preaching and expositing the word, but we're trying to show people um, how to study the Bible for themselves. So, you know, most expositors go, you know, through a, an entire book. And so you have a general idea of what you're going to be doing next Sunday. Um, and, and so I think what you want to do to prepare your heart is to study ahead, thinking about the context, thinking about all these things Brandon has just said, um, in, in fact, I would encourage people to read the entire book every week before Sunday. Um, so we're preaching through Ephesians in our church here, um, just about an hour and a half uh, from Brandon in Harrow, Oklahoma. And so every week, I, I want people to just read the whole chapter, read all of Ephesians. We're in chapter one, uh, but but read it all and, and then contemplate not just the section they know we're going to be in or the verse they know we're going to be in, but in light of the whole book. Um, in light of the other Pauline epistles. And so I think that is, it, it's pertinent to the, the congregation member um, because if oh, they're yeah. studying, if you're not studying scripture on your own, then your heart really isn't being prepared to hear the word. If, if you're, the only time you're in scripture is on Sunday morning, then, then you're not preparing your heart. You're haphazardly coming and hearing the word and God is gracious and he's merciful and he'll still work because he promises that his word will do all that which uh, he wants it to do. Um, but but that's not taking responsibility on your own if that's the only time you're in the word. So these things are absolutely not just applicable for the preacher, but for the individual as well. What what are some yeah. other ways, Brandon? So so Brandon, someone's come to you. you we've kind of talked about this, and they're saying, "Okay, I don't really have anything purposeful that I do for Sunday." Um, and I think this is probably where most people are. I, I would guess that probably 98% of churchgoers, even in our circles, probably do not spend any kind of very seriously dedicated and thoughtful time to what they're going to hear on Sunday morning. And I'm not saying mm -hmm. that's sinful, not saying it. I, I just think that's probably true because we don't teach that so often. Um, so they get these things. What are kind of some practical steps 
that they can be doing. They hear they need to be in the word already. They hear they need to have the right heart disposition, not one of a, a critical spirit. Um, so, so they kind of, they, their minds are wrapped around that. Their, their heart is in tune with that. And they're thinking, okay, now what are some practical ways I, I can move forward in getting the most from what God wants me to get from his word on Sunday? Where, where do you start with that? Sure. It's, it's Monday morning. They've, they've got six days until the sermon. Yeah. So uh, what would be most helpful probably in this conversation is just to have kind of a picture of maybe what we do at Heritage uh, in general, uh, because I work hard uh, to try to make sure that people have their hearts prepared and ready to receive the sermon. I, I try to go above and beyond what any pastor I have ever had has done and what I believe many pastors do. Um, so it's important to me and it's actually built into the life of our church in many ways. And so one of the things that we do on the front end is almost every time we preach through a book uh, with the exception, we didn't do one for Advent. Um, but generally speaking, if I'm going to preach through a book before I preach through the book, I have my head wrapped around it. And we create study guides that almost act as study Bibles in a way. Uh, there's an introduction. There's like theological uh, key terms that you would want to know before maybe you look at the book. Um, there's context explanations. Uh, there is um, uh, prayers uh, that go along with each individual sermon um, to help us pray through the text, right? Because that's one of the things that we need to do as hearers is, is pray through the truths in the text. There's questions um, that you answer throughout the week. And so there's like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday kind of a devotional that you can follow inside of this study guide. Uh, we have one on Ruth. If you go to our website, heritagetulsa.church, go to resources. You can look at what I'm talking about, um, you know, and then there's stuff from the catechisms and confession that we follow that are in there as well to help tie everything together. Uh, and so you utilize this book uh, that I have put together for you um, to help you understand all of these things before we even get going and then keep up with it throughout the sermon series so that you can have these truths presented to you in other ways and then actually have questions that engage your thought process to help them drill down even further. That's one thing that we do. Another thing that we do uh, is I have my sermon at least as much done as I possibly can before Saturday afternoon. Uh, and then Saturday afternoon, I post my sermon title, the sermon text, and then I post my points. Uh, and depending on how I lay the sermon out, I will even put some of the application in there. Uh, we put a, a song or a psalm to sing in light of these texts. And, and then a prayer, generally I rip it off of the Valley of Vision, that has to do with that text that they can pray that and use that for family worship on Saturday night. So on Saturday night, we encourage the men to do family worship with their family using the text that we are going to be preaching the following morning. And so they already, they already know the landscape. It's just going to be drilled down even more right before on Sunday morning. So they're coming not to be blown away by the truth in the scripture that they hadn't seen before, but to have it clarified. Right. I, I, and to me, I, like I'm, I'm not putting on a show. I'm not an actor. Uh, I'm not 
a celebrity that's trying to get them to buy something. I, I, I'm just a pastor trying to get them to understand the text. So I don't need to wow and woo them with something they didn't know the next day. I just want them to know the truth. I just want them to be able to love it and live it. And, uh, you know, so, so I, I, I find that that has been extremely helpful. And then on Wednesday, the following Wednesday, we discuss what the sermon was about at our fellowship group. Um, and, uh, and, and discuss some of these questions that were in the book, uh, the, the study guide. Uh, and so all of this is a way to, uh, to have these, these truths uh, drilled into uh, their hearts. And so um, I think it, uh, the thing that you can do practically is to just stay involved with all of those things. So if you're a church out there and you're thinking, how do I best get my uh, people to listen, to hear, uh, we'll make it easier for them to listen and hear, right? Because that's your job. That's your job. Um, and so that's what I would do. I would say I would encourage them to give themselves over to that. Also to pray for those two heart dispositions, right? To pray because you need the Spirit's help to hear. <laughs> to pray, Lord, help me. Help me to hear what's being said, right? Pray that the night before. Pray that every day. Definitely pray the morning of. Go up early. Pray with your family to receive the truth that's about to be proclaimed and pray for your pastor, right? A way to prepare your heart to receive the word is to pray, prepare that your pastor will be able to communicate those truths clearly. Invite the Holy Spirit to help you. Cry out to the Holy Spirit to help you and to help your pastor and to help your family. So that's, I hope that's helpful. Oh, those yeah. are fantastic Go list ahead, of Aki. resources that, that you just mentioned um, really spurred spur on some great ideas. And, and I think what you're getting down into is really encouraging the congregation to be interactive with the Word of God. I mean, interact with it, really read it, think about it, ask themselves questions, uh, be in prayer over it. Now, let me ask you this, though. Let's say you're going over a passage, and you've got someone in the congregation very well-versed in Scripture, and that person, after listening to the message, um, really didn't hear anything new. Uh, you preached through it. Maybe that person studied it before. Is the sermon a failure? Does that how does how what's the heart disposition for the person that already knows everything that you're about to preach? Is there any value in it? What was that? Was it even worth sitting through it if that person already knows everything? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say if you're, I mean, if you're a pastor for any length of amount of time, uh, you're gonna you're gonna find those guys. You're gonna uh, talk to those guys. Um, especially if you've been there for a long time, because hopefully you've done your job well. So that's a, um, I would say, yes, it's still beneficial. The biblical authors in the new Testament, uh, oftentimes say, I say this, uh, to remind you or by way of reminder, yeah. right. Um, you know, the book of Hebrews, um, uh, the author there says, you know, you, you should know this so, so much that you should already be teachers, but you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're failing here. So uh, I think it's a common assumption of the New Testament writers, and it should be the common assumption of the pastors and the common assumption, since we're talking about the hearers, uh, that they're going to hear a ton of stuff that they already know. But that's not the point. The point is to constantly be encouraged, to constantly be reminded, uh, because we, 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 
we oftentimes, if we're studying our Bible, uh, don't have so much with so much of a problem with understanding as living it out, uh, or we don't have as much problem understanding as we do remembering. And so, to sit there and be encouraged and to be pointed back to the truth, maybe in ways that you wouldn't say it to yourself, is phenomenal. Um, you know. I study the Bible for a living, praise God. And so I very rarely hear a sermon unless it's preached by like Vody Bauckham or something where I'm like, how did you get that? That very rarely happens. But when people who love the word communicate the word by the power of the spirit and it comes from the word, God does his work regardless of whether or not I know that truth or not. Right. Hebrews chapter four it talks about how the word lays us bare, and cuts us and it divides us. And so opening yourself up in humility to hearing truths that you already know to be true, to do more work on you, to do, to do, uh, to sanctify you more fully by the power of the spirit is something that we should all welcome and be excited about, um, you know, and, and try to find ways to hear it. Right. Because maybe, maybe today you get one truth that you didn't have before, but maybe you don't. Either way, how can you apply that better to your life? How can you better love Jesus because of what you've just seen and heard? How can you, um, how can you maybe pay attention to other parts of the sermon? Okay, I know this. Okay. How are you thinking about this? How are you laying it out, Pastor? Let me maybe help. Maybe this will help me and my family worship of how to explain better to my family these truths like there's many different ways to listen to and hear a sermon you don't always have to be you know wrecked over it you know uh you can you can you can just simply take away and cherish those truths and then just praise god that those truths are there right praise god that he is a comforting god a compassionate god praise god that he will not leave me alone in my sin it's also a way to spur on worship uh, so I, I think, I think that we misunderstand the purpose of the word. If we think a preacher or and we misunderstand the, uh, the meaning of preaching or what preaching is there for, if we think it's just there to give us new information, it's also there to transform, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if someone were to sit in a Sunday service week in and week out and, um, it always be a wow factor or something new. One of two things are happening. Either they're in a church where the preacher is preaching his own ideas into the text. And so it's always something new and yep. novel, or the person is not in the word enough that they know the scripture. Uh, and so everything's new. Now that could be the case for a new believer or someone who maybe they have been as faithful as they should. And they're, they're getting back on track. But I think one of those two things really kind of have to be true um, and it, yeah, and absolutely. And I think we do kind of forget in our camps, uh, in, in our camp, how much, how vital, how necessary, how real the work of the person, of the Holy spirit is, um, we, we tend to, you know, I don't want to say diminish, but we, we tend to not often concentrate enough, I think on the fact that without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, we we wouldn't get anything. Um, and and right. so this would take us back to the heart disposition. But even before 
having a right heart disposition would be bathing and you referenced this several times, um, bathing yourself in prayer, you know, praying that you would receive all that God would want you to out of the text this morning, praying uh, for the pastor, praying for the service. Um, and, and that that prayer just sort of sets your, your, your mind and your focus in the right place. And so you're not going thinking, you know, is this going to, is, is, is this sermon going to change my life? Is this sermon going to be new? Is this, you know, is he going to preach this as well as he could, but rather you're going, having been prayed up with the, with the thought of I'm, I'm about to hear from God and, and whether it's a reminder right. or something I didn't know, um, there's going to be something here that can make me look more like Christ. There's going to be something here that can help me love to a greater measure they can help me uh, pursue my walk in holiness to greater measure. There's going to be something here that's going to please the Lord. It's going to work in my life for my benefit and for his glory. Um, and, and then to kind of go back when you were talking about all of the things that your church offers, for the person who might be thinking, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a church that exposes the word. We don't, we don't have all of those kinds of things. I, I think the point, really the principle you are making is to find ways to be involved with the text throughout the week. Um, if if you don't have uh, the studies or the, the week groups like you guys have, um, take notes, right? You can definitely do that. Most churches record their sermons now. And so if you don't have access to those kind of studies, listen to the sermon again um, and and take another, another set of notes. And Or if you're diligent in taking notes on Sunday, listen to the sermon again without taking any notes, just prayerfully, right? Just just thinking, reminding yourself midweek, um, and, and then read the next passage that you know you're going to go into and, and start praying, you know, write down questions about that passage, even before Sunday. You know, what does yeah. this mean? What does that mean? Um, I think that's actually a good habit to, to if you want to prepare your heart, sit down with the text you know your pastor's about to preach, and just ask on paper or in your mind every question you could think about about that text. And it just Absolutely. starts getting your heart and mind geared towards, okay, I, I want to get everything I can get out of this text. And then you come Sunday morning and you've been ruminating, you've been thinking through, you've been reminiscing over that scripture over and over. Um, it, 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 what are, Any thoughts from, from you, Eki? So let's just, uh, we, we've heard from Brandon, if someone comes add to that. Uh, they're saying, okay, I'm doing these things. Um, I'm listening to the sermon in the middle of the week, uh, but I still, maybe I feel like um, two scenarios. I'm, I'm struggling to get anything out of the sermon um, or, yeah, well, let's just go with that one. Cause I think some, some people will find themselves, uh, I get this comment. You guys probably do too. Well-meaning guys and there's like, man, I'm, I, I just, I can't stay awake during the sermon. Um, it's not because you're boring, uh, just struggling for whatever reason. L give some encouragement to, to those guys, because I think there's another element of preparing yourself that even might go into the, the physical reality um, rather than just the spiritual. Well, I, I think some of these suggestions that you mentioned, especially going into the scriptures, writing down questions is a good one. Uh, we were taught to do that in seminary, uh, write down questions of all the passages you're reading through. And even when people are attending college. I remember back in my college days, right? To, to get the most out of a lecture, 
everyone's encouraged to read the materials ahead of time, to read the materials, actually do some of the homework, start asking some questions. And now your mind is is primed and ready to actually interact with the teaching as, as you receive it. But I think there's another element in all of this too, and that's the person's spiritual walk. And when I say spiritual walk, I mean, we're all at different points of our maturity, but if we expect the Holy Spirit to illuminate our heart on Sunday, we need to be walking by the Spirit the rest of the week, really all week. And some of the examples that comes to mind is, for instance, um, you know, a husband or a father who's at war with his wife all during the week and expecting to come in on Sunday and, and receive some sort of magical blessing from the sermon when he hasn't repented of his anger or the ways that he has failed his own family. Uh, that's not a humble oh, spirit. And, and so someone who's walking humbly with God, someone who is examining his own life and recognizing the areas where he needs to repent, and then coming on Sunday humbly, um, seeking for wisdom, having repented of everything that he knows of. Otherwise, you know, what what expectation do you think that, what, what, what do you think, is God obligated to suddenly bless you if you haven't been walking according to his commandments during the week? So yeah, th those are the those are the things that we want to examine in our own walk. But also, you know, sometimes people, when people say I didn't get anything out of the message, you know, they're having this kind of expectation of having this ten point checklist of things to do or do during the week. And I've said this often, especially as I was preaching through the Book of John. Look, our number one goal, above and beyond everything else, of course, there's application principles throughout all of this, but our number one goal is to know Christ. Uh, we want to grow in our understanding of who Christ is, and if you grow in your understanding of Christ, if you if you grow in your understanding of God, what the Scriptures say, that by itself is actually the first application. It's to know it, um, and once you know it and, and start to grow in it, then you'll start to become more like Christ. You start to walk like Christ, think like Christ. You know, we we want to be able to love what God loves, hate what God hates. Um, so we we want to make sure that during our week we're doing everything we can to walk in integrity. Um, and to repent when repentance is needed. And then as Brandon has said, as you have said, be able to come before God humbly and to recognize that God's word never returns void, right? So if there's something Amen. missing there, then um, maybe we're we're coming in with the wrong kind of expectations, or maybe we need to examine our own walk. Those are two things that come to mind. Yeah, I think it's important too to remember, just like you're saying, you know, the Bible tells us that if we treat our wives horribly, uh, that, yep. that God doesn't, he closes his ears to our prayers. Yeah. Our prayers uh, are and, so, and so I think that that is a great, great application for hearers is to strive to live according to the word and God will more richly uh, give you the word. I think that's, I think that's so good. You know, something else that I was thinking about, I was just l listening to to you guys talk is it, it, in preparing your heart for the sermon. I, I think also what you get out of it has a lot to do with how you view your leadership in the church. Um, mm -hmm. and, and and what I mean is, you know, this could be a hard conversation for pastors to have because we you know, we we don't want people to put us on a on a pedestal. We are servants. Um, but the office of pastor is given as a gift to the church. Um, it, it is ordained by God. You go to Hebrews, um, it, you know, and you and and there's the admonition of people to basically because these men look over your souls, don't make it difficult. Right? Don't make their life difficult. Um, but I, I think the principle is: do do you love your shepherds? It, you know, do you love the men who God has put uh, in in your church? 
who are preaching the word Sunday in and out, who are praying for you, who love you, who, and, and albeit imperfectly, right? Um, we're all imperfect pastors. Uh, in fact, we're all imperfect people, right? We serve a perfect savior. Um, and, and so I think one thing is checking hearts um, just to see if you have an appreciation for the men God has put over you in the church. And again, it's not an unhealthy thing. It's not a pedestal thing. It's just do you rightly recognize that we that these men are are there by God's calling? Well, we're assuming the, assuming the church is biblical and healthy and all of that sort of thing, but not perfect. Um, and and just you know, when you think of these men, when you think of your pastor, do you appreciate that he labors? You know, all throughout the week to feed your soul because that's his job, right? I mean, the pastor's job is to equip the saints um, to feed the flock of God uh, who God has entrusted them. And so I think that goes a long way too, because the moment um, any bitterness or discontentment comes in towards the leadership of the church, you're going to find that you stop getting something out of God's word. Um, And ultimately it's a sin issue, right? That would come down to a sin issue. But it's just another area to 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 check your heart, right? Um, to make sure Absolutely. that you appreciate uh, the the men that God's put in the church before you. And so I, I think all those things are are good things to to think about. But uh, in our culture, we get very busy, right? Um, and maybe Brandon, just talk to us a little bit about. Um, and I'm going to kind of set you up here, so hopefully uh, it's in a good way, but. Um, it, you know, people will spend just copious amount, copious amounts of time preparing their kids for a softball game or a football game. They'll travel across the country. Um, it, you know, they'll look after their physical uh, well-being so that they can travel and things like that. Maybe just talk to us a little bit about: Are there any physical considerations? Um, you, you know, like you probably don't want to be. Uh, you know, up partying all night and then dragging in Sunday morning and expecting to get a lot out of out of it. Any any thoughts about just kind of the busyness of life schedule or any of that? Uh, yeah. So, well, first of all, I just want to piggyback off something you said earlier, and then I'll answer that question. But I think it's important um, when you're. I'm speaking here specifically to the people who desire to hear God's word and who sit in the congregation and pews uh, every single Sunday, when you take the word of God seriously and you take notes and you're attentive and you're looking to receive that implanted word with, with humility uh, and, and, and you, and you see your pastors the way uh, that you, you know, for instance, you just said, Nathaniel, uh, you see them in a loving way, uh, understanding that they're a gift to the body, that that is so much of an encouragement to your pastors um, you know, when I look out and this happens every Sunday and I'm just blown away by God's grace and just delighted in what he's doing at heritage, I look out and I see them taking notes, waiting for that next point, writing it down, taking notes. Uh, you know, you know, I've seen people bent over praying, hopefully they're not sleeping, uh, <laughs> you know, while I'm preaching and they're really wanting to receive that word. Well, that makes me as the expositor want to try all the more harder. Now, I am certainly not advocating that your preparation be, determ- be determined on how well you feel like the congregation is receiving your preaching. But I just want to say as a pastor, 
that when you make that effort, that makes me want to serve like in, in the preparation of the word so much, like it makes it, it's, it makes it easy and not burdensome, not, not a trial, you know, it's not anyway. I mean, it's a great thing to be able to do week in and week out, whether it's received or not, because, uh, you know, as Eki already said, it's going to, it's going to do the work God intended it to do. But I, I, I think more about my congregation and how they will receive the word when I know that they want to receive the word and they're working hard to do it. Um, and, I, and I think that goes true, you know, with anything in life. Um, and so maybe that's a point that didn't need to be brought up, but I just wanted to encourage that, like, when a pastor sees that out in, in, the, in the congregation when he's preaching, he's not thinking to himself, man, they're not paying attention to me. They're doodling or whatever. They're thinking, wow, wow, these people want to hear God's word. And so I think that is just amazing. It's phenomenal. So um, anyway, back to the question. Can you also hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're good. Okay. So the question, what can people do physically? Uh, well, this past weekend, I preached on Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verses one and two, which talked about running the race. And I talked about, you know, the difference between weights and sins. And um, there are certainly, you know, by way of, you know, analogy or, you know, tying her in the same truths to some degree, though this is not what Hebrews 12 is necessarily about. Uh, there are weights uh, that get in your way um, to receiving the word, um, the sin and other things that we've already talked about. But yeah, sure. Things in life that are of lesser importance that you have elevated to higher importance, you know, one of the things that gets pastors in trouble, you know, a lot is, you know, saying that church is more important than, you know, some sports team that your kid is involved in, like, yeah. you know, there, here come the pitchforks, <laughs> you know, but it's true. Um, and, and it's true that the church is more important than anything uh, that your, that your kid or you are, are going to be doing, but not just sports. I mean, you could, plug in any activity, um, video games, um, golf in certain cultures and societies. Um, you know, I mean, uh, even good things, um, can get in the way of, of preaching. So I would say, uh, physically, I mean, I don't know exactly what you're getting at, but physically, I guess I would say that you need to prioritize it. You need to see it as weighty. Um, you need to see, the word being preached to you as something that is of utmost importance. Preaching is the way that God uh, not only saves people, but grows and sanctifies them. Uh, the word is what does the work. Um, you know, it's, it's not all these other things, you know? And so if, if you need to, you know, get a different job, for example, so that you can make sure your family is there to hear the preached word, do it. Uh, if you need to, not be on those sporting teams so that you can be there for the preached word. Do that. Uh, if you need to wake up earlier, do that. You know, we always tell the men, you know, at our shepherd's Institute, uh, or even sometimes in the preaching, it's your job to be the pastor of your home. Uh, yeah. Like we're the pastor of heritage. We ever, we're responsible. But, Bible better than wife and your kids. And that means if you got to wake up three hours earlier, that's what you got to do. If it means staying up later, that's what you got to do. If it means you got to prioritize 
it over and against, you know, hanging out with your buddies or, um, you know, watching those games, you got to do that. Uh, so it's putting it in its proper place and understanding the weight of, of, of hearing and applying God's word is of utmost importance. And so I don't know what other physical things you're looking for, uh, but just, just prioritize it uh, and put it in its proper place and, and chase after it, run the race that will set before you and uh, seek to hear the word. Yeah, no, brother, I think you answered that well. I, I mean, ultimately, just getting at um, if there are things that are causing you to come in dragging on Sunday, um, not not prepared physically, then you, you need to think about those things and maybe eliminate those things. So, you know, if, if you can, um, you know, so if if you're falling asleep during the service and it's because you stay up until two o'clock in the morning watching movies with guys on 2 a.m., cut that out. Um, and so you you hit on that really right. well, I think. Um, in other words, make Sunday morning of, of utmost priority and, and arrange your life uh, to demonstrate that. And so, well, we're, we're out of time here, guys, but I hope that this has been helpful. I'm, I'm sure it has for our listeners. I, I want to end by reading just a portion of this psalm because I think that this is really the heart that, that we want to see um, people have in our churches this is the heart we want to have as preachers. I mean, when we sit down and prepare the word, I, I don't think for any of us, um, it's not just a, an, an academic or rigorous exercise so that we can preach. We firstly want to be changed and touched by the text. Um, we, we, don't, we don't have to study the text. We get to study the text. Um, and, and so we want it to change our lives first, and hopefully we preach out of having been touched by the text. But I, I think there's no better heart uh, demonstration of what a heart should look like than often what we find in King David. Psalm 25, 4, I think really demonstrates this. And, and this should be the heart we have. He says, make me know your ways, O Yahweh. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. In you I hope all the day. And I think if we come to church with that attitude, if you come to church not thinking about how good or how bad the pastor's preaching is, not thinking about these other little frivolous details, but you come saying, God, teach me your ways, lead me in your truth, uh, because you're the God of my salvation in whom I have my hope and trust, you will walk away every week, week in and week out with something. Um, being encouraged, being edified. Maybe it's new information, maybe it's not. But you'll have been, in that, in, in a very real sense, touched by God through his word, if that's your heart. So we hope that uh, this has been beneficial to you guys. Um, we'll put the links to uh, Brandon's church and resources um, in the show notes. And if nothing else, you can just, maybe it'll just give you an idea of what questions to start asking yourself in the sermons. I think those things would be helpful. Uh, don't forget, we have a YouTube channel. We would love for you to uh, hit the subscribe button there. And until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.